Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at relevantradio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, I hope your Tuesday is off to a good start here. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life, our program about spiritual direction. And today, I'm actually going to start the hour a little differently than usual because I normally like to start off with some sort of maybe a personal anecdote or I might reference something in our culture to set the stage for our conversation and the topic that we'll discuss on the show. And I also try to be very, very careful to stay away from anything that is politically charged during this hour. And in my time uh, behind the microphone here after taking over for Chuck Neff, I've not said anything about my personal opinions on anything political, nothing on you know COVID or the vaccine. I don't talk about things that are happening in the White House or Congress. I try to keep this hour away from anything that might make you or anyone who's listening feel that maybe you're being judged for any social or political beliefs or opinions. I want all of us to have a sense of unity during the inner life, and I don't want there to be any reason that would alienate you or me or any anyone uh, from being able to all grow together in our understanding of God's will and getting to know God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, getting to know Him better so that we can be united with Christ here and now, of course, but also after our earthly, earthly lives end. But I do want to talk about something that is a political lightning rod in our country. And the issue itself is a moral issue, something that goes beyond politics. But we live in a, Republ- a republic, you know, here in the U.S. And so many times when there is a debate on a moral issue, that issue finds itself getting dragged into the political arena. And in this case, the issue is abortion. And if you've been a listener to Relevant Radio for any length of time, you know that Relevant Radio is against abortion. Uh, We speak again and again and again about the importance of life. Uh, That's something that you hear uh, from the Catholic Church at large. But starting tomorrow, December 1st, the U.S. Supreme Court will begin hearing oral arguments for the case of Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. And I'm not going to go into all the different variables and details of the case. You can read about that on your own. But this is a case that could very possibly make abortion illegal here in the U.S., and it could save millions and millions of lives. This is the biggest abortion case to make it to the Supreme Court in decades, probably since 1992. So, I'm really wanting to ask you to please pray for the outcome of this case. Over the the next several days, you might end up seeing things in the news and the mainstream media where it talks about how anyone who opposes abortion is quote-unquote anti-choice or they're against reproductive freedom. You might read statistics 
that say a majority of Americans support access to abortion in some fashion. But these are talking points that are meant to try and distract you from the truth. And the truth is that abortion kills a human life. You and I, all of us, we all started out as an embryo. We all developed into a fetus. This is the natural progression of human life. So don't get distracted by words that try and make you feel like you're against choice or you're against freedom because you absolutely should be against anything that someone tries to disguise as a choice or as a freedom. But in reality, it is just plainly and simply murder. And when you read those statistics or those talking points that try and convince you that you are in the minority, that the majority must be right, majority rules after all, if you find yourself in that place, I'd like you to remember something that the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen said. He said, moral principles do not depend on a majority vote. Wrong is wrong even if everybody is wrong, and right is right even if nobody is right. So again, I really want to invite you to pray with me and all of us here at Relevant Radio. If you're a regular listener and you receive emails from us, you may have already seen an email from Father Rocky this morning, our executive director here at Relevant Radio. He sent that out asking all of us to pray for Our Lady's intercession, that the Supreme Court justices be wise, that they're courageous, and that they make the right decision. And he'll be praying for this intention this evening on the Family Rosary Across America. You can join him in prayer tonight at 7 Central. But even if you can't tune in at that time, please take some time during these next days and weeks to pray for the outcome of this case and especially for the protection of life, all life in our country. So thank you for letting me get on my soapbox for a minute. Now, today on The Inner Life, we actually want to talk about prayer. We want to talk about that uh, prayer life that we have, each one of us, because just like I'm asking you to pray for a change in our country and for the change of an unjust law that we have here, prayer most definitely can change things. Prayer is that communication between us and God. And one of the most powerful prayer devotions that you hear us talk about all the time here on The Inner Life, as well as on Relevant Radio at large, it's the, the rosary. And since we're in the few, first few days of Advent, we'd like to spend some time talking about praying the rosary, but very specifically, looking and reflecting on the joyful mysteries that surround the birth of Jesus. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour, as we look at the joyful mysteries, Father Ed Broom is back with us once again. He's a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He's the associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. Father Broom, I'm so glad to have you back here with us today. Welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you, Josh. God bless you. Thanks so much for inviting me back again. Thanks so much. Yeah, well, it's a joy to talk with you as always. And before we really get into the joyful mysteries, let's maybe start with something very basic. Um, you know, many non-Catholics, they have a serious issue with the love and the devotion that Catholics show to Mary. So maybe we can begin our conversation by addressing this. You know, why is devotion to the Blessed Mother, why is it so important in the life of a Christian? The response is pretty simple, that uh, God chose to come into the world through the person of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He chose Mary. And uh, we love Mary very much. She's the mother of God. She's the mother of the church. She's the mother of each and every one of us. And um, often Protestants will 
say that we're actually adoring Mary, and we're really not doing that. We have, we have these words in theology, latria, hyperdulia, protodulia, and dulia. And latria means uh, that we adore only God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hyperdulia refers to Mary, and that means the, the highest veneration, and I, and I say the word veneration we give to Mary. Protodelia we give to St. Joseph, when the year of St. Joseph, which will end December 8th. Then Dulia is the cult that we give to the saints. So I think it's a good idea that we, we point out that we adore only the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But of all of God's creation, Mary is, uh, as St. Louis de Montfort says, the masterpiece of the creation. And God chose to come, in, came into, come into the world through Mary, so... That's the case. We should have the highest veneration, devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm. Well, and so let's let's just jump right in. We're in the season of Advent, and today we want to spend some time looking at the joyful mysteries. And as I said earlier, these are the events primarily surrounding the birth of Jesus. Um, for anybody who's grown up as a Christian. We've heard this story of the birth of Jesus again and again and again. So. Uh, Father Broom, can you help us walk through each of these mysteries and maybe look at them with some fresh eyes, helping us to regain some of maybe the wonder, the excitement that would have been experienced by Mary and Elizabeth and Joseph and the shepherds and all the others who were there for these events. Um, the, the first joyful mystery is the Annunciation. It's the angel Gabriel telling Mary that she's been chosen to be the mother of Jesus. What are some of the aspects of this event that you might suggest we consider when meditating on the words of Gabriel and Mary that can kind of breathe some life into this if if we feel like, oh, we've we've <laughs> revisited this story again and again and again? Yes, it's uh it's the first of the uh the joyful mysteries, the Annunciation, sometimes called the Incarnation. And it's such a beautiful scene. We have Mary, who's um, seen often in prayer. Then you see the Archangel Gabriel coming to Mary and saying, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Then he announces to Mary that she'll be the mother of God. Mary says, How can this happen since I do not know man? Because Mary had made a vow of virginity. And the Archangel Gabriel says that she would conceive through the overpowering of the Holy Spirit. And then Mary gives her consent by saying, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. That moment you have what is called the Shekinah, which is the Hebrew word for the overshadowing of Mary. The Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, and she conceives through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was uh, the moment of the Incarnation. We celebrate that every March 25th and then December 25th is when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus in the stable of Bethlehem. There's so many lessons that we, we can derive from this. Uh, first is um, Mary's great docility. Great docility to God and great docility to the Holy Spirit. And that can be a certain attitude we can cultivate and during these uh, these days leading up to, to Christmas is having an attitude of silence and docility so we can be open to God's inspirations. Father Jacques Philippe, uh, a very prolific modern writer, has written many books uh, on spirituality. One of his 
is the school of the Holy Spirit. And he says the essence of holiness is simply this, being docile to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And so in these holy days leading up to the birthday of Christ, that could be an attitude, a disposition that we can try to assume by imitating Mary, trying to be very docile to these inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And we might even say that prayer, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening, that that prayer of Samuel in the temple. And um, another beautiful point is when Mary says yes to the angel, then Mary conceives Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pope St. John Paul II, in one of his writings on Mary and the Eucharist, says that Mary's fiat to the angel can be compared to our amen every time we receive Holy Communion, in the sense that Mary's yes resulted in the incarnate word taking flesh in the womb of Mary. And every time we go to Mass and we, re- we approach the Eucharistic banquet in the state of sanctifying grace, and the uh, priest or minister says, the body of Christ, we say amen, and we receive Holy Communion. In a certain sense, we're imitating Mary by receiving Christ into the depths of our hearts. Of all the Advent proposals that I'm presenting to our people, I'm saying, if at all possible, try during these Advent days to come to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And as Sacrosato Concilium says, to try to participate fully, actively, consciously in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and to receive the body and blood of Christ with great love. Mary can definitely help us to make good Eucharistic communions and welcome Christ in the very depths of our souls. So there's many beautiful messages, but I would point out those two, docility to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Mary can be a model for us in going to Mass and receiving Holy Communion. And by means of that, docility of the Holy Spirit and the reception of the Eucharist, we can put into practice that command of Jesus, be holy as your Heavenly Father is holy. So may Mary be our, our model and guide to help us to uh, encounter the Holy Spirit and encounter our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the depths of our hearts. Well, and I love that idea of when you receive communion, that amen, essentially we can kind of in our minds think, be it done unto me according to your word, and have that same attitude of Mary. I I love that. One of the things that also comes to mind as you're talking about that docility, uh, I've for years just uh, pondered over when the Archangel Gabriel greets her initially, hail favored one, the Lord is with you. It then says, Luke, St. Luke's gospel account says she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. So it's not like she was, there wasn't that docility and peace. There was this kind of troubled attitude or, you know, wondering what in the world is going on here? What is happening? But there's still that docility, and I think that might be also a lesson for us in that moment there, too, that, you know, docility doesn't mean everything is peaceful. There might still be some difficulties or some troubled times that we're going through, but we can still have that attitude that Mary shows us that she gives that example of. 
Very good point. It's interesting because in the joyful mysteries, seem to be somewhat paradoxical. In the joyful mysteries, there's a certain amount of struggle. The fact that we'll be talking about the visitation, Mary had to travel 80 kilometers. That's about 55 miles. And I mean, she was traveling and she had to go to the hill country, which means that she had to travel uphill. And then the, the birthday of Jesus, I mean, our Lord is born in the stable of Bethlehem. And you quoted Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen says the creator of the universe had nowhere to be born in his own creation. I mean, think about that. And then the, the, the prophecy of Simeon, we have the first of the seven sorrows of Mary in which the prophet Simeon that says that a sword of will, 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 will pass your heart, will pierce your heart. I mean, we talk about a, an upcoming sorrow. And then maybe... You, Josh, and your, you know, and your wife, maybe you lost one of your children in a mall. It probably happened because you have a pretty big family. You, know, you yeah, lose it was a state fair. For... <laughs> <laughs> that happened for five or ten minutes. You almost have a heart attack. Imagine. Uh-huh. Three, yeah. d- three days losing your son. Wow. So in the midst of these joys, there's, uh, there's sorrow. And you're pointing out that docility doesn't always mean smooth sailing, but sometimes docility has a cross embedded within it. Yeah. Our our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California, today talking about the joyful mysteries of the rosary and praying the rosary in general, of course. But uh, this being Advent, we wanted to look specifically at the joyful mysteries today. But how has praying the rosary, what impact has that had in your life? How has it helped you to grow closer to Christ have you become a more patient person? Has it helped by praying the rosary? Has it helped you to remain pure and chaste? Has it helped you maybe overcome an addiction? What difference has the rosary made in your life? And uh, we'd love to hear from you, welcome you into the program at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, our email address, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. More to come right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. One eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. That's one triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. The Inner Life with Josh Raymond on Relevant Radio. Welcome back, and thanks for listening to The Inner Life today. We're talking with our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, about the joyful mysteries of the rosary and just praying the rosary in general. And how about you? How do you enter into those events in the life of our Lord, our Blessed Mother? Uh, What has helped you to be able to experience those in a more profound way? in the ways that you meditate, you reflect on those. How has praying the rosary helped you in your life? Maybe helped to uh, save your marriage or heal a relationship of some sort? How has Our Lady's Intercession brought about some sort of transformation or miracle in your life? 
888-914-9149 is the number you can call to join the show today, 888-914-9149. And Father Broom, we had talked about the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation, where the Archangel Gabriel comes and tells Mary that she will be the mother of Jesus. Next, we have the second mystery, and that is the visitation, when Mary goes to help her cousin Elizabeth, who is pregnant. What, what stands out for you in this moment where Mary and Elizabeth have this exchange? Yes, Mary arrives to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is expecting John the Baptist, and there's a greeting, and the baby leaps in the womb, of Elizabeth, and she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed the fruit of your womb. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? At the sound of your greeting, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. And I was thinking about building upon what you said at the very beginning of the program related to pro-life. And um, I'm going to be starting today to make a novena starting Today, I'll offer a secondary intention in my Mass for nine days in a row for that intention that you mentioned that we'll be able to eliminate abortion from our country. But this, uh, I believe, Josh and friends and Relevant Radio, is one of the best pro-life passages you have in the whole Bible because you have two pregnant women. Mary greets Elizabeth. The baby within her womb leaps for joy. And today... These would be two primary candidates for an abortion. And the reason being is we don't know the exact age of Mary nor that of Elizabeth. Mary was very young and Elizabeth was very, very old. Mary was maybe, many say, a teenager, 15 or 16 years of age. Elizabeth was way, way beyond the age of having children. And both of them, both of them say yes to life. And as a result of them both saying yes to life, Elizabeth, in her old age, brings forth the great precursor of Christ, St. John the Baptist. And Mary, of course, will bring forth Jesus, the Savior of the world. So those arguments that are used to counter life, uh, the woman says that uh, she's too young, and another one says, I'm too old. Here we have two of the greatest women who ever lived on planet Earth, one very young, another one very old, both of them saying yes to life, one bringing forth the greatest man born of women, John the Baptist, who's a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, John the Baptist, and very healthy out there in the desert, preaching and fasting and dying as a martyr, and then we have, of course, the birthday of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what we have here is a total trust in divine providence. Because if God is going to give life, God will provide for life. We should be people of life. We should do all we possibly can to foster life from the very moment of conception until natural death, we should foster life. You know, you know, Josh, very often women will have abortions for many reasons, but sometimes because they're surrounded by people that give them bad advice. 
more than once have have women come to me in a pastoral situation where they're they're really not sure what they should do. And sometimes having a, a 15, 20-minute conversation with a priest, doesn't have to be a priest, we can turn the tide and convince them to have that child. So not only not only should we pray that abortion would be eliminated from our country and the whole world, but also we have to be we have to be the voice of the unborn child. You know, the child cannot speak to defend himself within the womb. We have to be that voice. You know, that wonderful, um, one of the best conversions, I'm sure you know of it, is um, back in the early 70s, uh, Bernard Nathanson, he actually saw an ultrasound, and he had done 80,000, he was responsible for 80,000 abortions. He saw the ultrasound, that baby moving within the womb, and from that moment on, he could not—he could not accept the reality of abortion. He gives up his business. He eventually going to be talking with Cardinal O'Connor in New York City. He's going to be baptized in St. Patrick's Cathedral, becoming a Catholic, and then the rest of his life. And he died about four years ago, and he lived in his late 80s. Bernard Nathanson would be giving talks and conferences, trying to defend life. So I, I encourage us in the pro-life movement to um, meditate upon this uh, passage in the visitation. Mary's word, Mary's word, we don't know exactly what she said, but she probably could have said shalom. That's the way that the Jewish people greet each other. Mary says shalom, and that, that baby in the womb, Elizabeth, weeps for joy. And St. Augustine will actually say that John the Baptist was conceived in original sin, but through the, through the words of Mary and the silent presence of Christ, he was sanctified in the womb of his mother through, through the words of Mary and the silent presence of Jesus working as Redeemer and Savior, even in the womb of Mary. So it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful pro-life passage. And all that the relevant radio can do, you know, praying the memorari, so many millions of memorari, we want to do all we possibly can to defend human life, knowing that life starts at the moment of conception and life ends when God decides to take that life away. But we have to be heralds and precursors like John the Baptist to defend life in all the different stages of life. So uh, it is, I I think of all the passages in the Bible, there are many passages in the Bible that are pro-life, Psalm 139 is another good one you know, in the book of Job. But this is uh, possibly, I, I really believe, the best pro-life passage you have, and very concrete. And two women, as I said earlier, a teenage girl and a woman that's maybe in her 60s. You, can you imagine that? These two women in the modern American society would say, uh, this is not possible because they'll often say quality of life. What the heck does quality of life mean? Life is precious because it's given by God. And even those who may be born with, uh, with, uh, with handicaps, physical handicaps, they're still loved in the eyes of God, and God will always provide for them in one way or another. So let us, uh, let us always be, be people of life. And every time uh, we say the Hail Mary, we say, Blessed are you among women, and bless the fruit of your womb, Jesus. So every time we say the Hail Mary, in a certain sense, we're, 
we're promoting the life through these beautiful words that we say in the in the Most Holy Rosary. So let's be um, staunch defenders of life from the moment of conception until the Lord calls us from time into eternity. Yes. Mm, I, I really appreciate those words. And along with that pro-life theme that you're talking about. Another thing that comes to my mind, you mentioned the word trust. You know, there's that trust that both Mary and Elizabeth have in Jesus. And we know the whole story. We know how things will turn out. We know that all things will eventually be for the glory of God, that Jesus will, even though he dies, even though there will be, as you referenced, the words of Simeon, that sword that pierces the heart of Mary, Jesus will rise again. We will have the hope of salvation, uh, heaven being opened up for us. But at that moment, at that moment where Mary and Elizabeth are both pregnant, neither of them have any idea of what's going to come in the next years, let alone months, let alone even days. And so that trust there, but then you have that canticle of Mary in the midst of, I don't know what's going to happen and what could be a lot of fear. And that kind of goes back to one of the primary reasons that people turn to abortion is fearfulness and thinking, I can't do this, or I don't know how I'm going to provide for this life, or I don't want this life. There's fear there. But we have Mary, who instead of embracing fear, she she embraces trust and then has that beautiful canticle my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So that trust theme, I, I really appreciated you bringing that up too, Father. Absolutely. And um, those that are maybe struggling with trust issues, uh, read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, where our Lord says, Look at the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. If God provides for the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, how much more will he not provide for us. Do not worry about what we're going to eat or drink or wear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be given to you besides. You know, um, in the life of the saints, uh, St. Faustina and John Bosco, and especially St. Therese of Lisieux, one of the hallmarks of their of their sanctity is... is uh, living the sacrament of the present moment. And that's really what trust is. And I've read the Diary of St. Faustina more than once. One of my favorite numbers is number two. In the Diary of St. Faustina, there's 1,828 numbers, but two is one of my favorites, in which Jesus uh, invites Faustina not to worry about the past, but rather leave that in the infinite ocean of God's mercy. And don't worry about the future, Leave that in his divine providential hand. Live the present moment. And the diary number two says, as a child, little child is in the arms of his loving mother, so we should recognize that we are in the arms of a loving God. So that point I really like, Josh, is that we have to have, we have, to have trust. And sometimes, you know, we worry about things that never actually happen. And if we worry, it's a sign that we don't really trust God. So, yeah, Mary and Elizabeth show us just a limitless trust. And you pointed out they did not know in detail what was going to happen. Elizabeth did not know that her her son was going to be decapitated. And Mary didn't know that that Jesus was going to be dying in that way. I mean, Mary knew the prophecy of of Isaiah, the suffering servant, but in, in great detail, neither of them knew that. 
but they had that, as you said, great faith and trust in, in God and divine providence. Yes. Well, and so then we come to the nativity, the birth of Jesus, and uh, there are so many things to meditate upon here, of course, again, this third mystery uh, of the joyful mysteries, but it's such a familiar story. Many of us have likely heard this our entire lives, everywhere from, you know, being at Mass, being at church, to even hearing Linus, where he quotes from St. Luke's Gospel when he tells Charlie Brown the true meaning of Christmas on that annual special that we see on television. So, how, again, might we look at the birth of Jesus with kind of that renewed sense of awe and wonder? Well, as you said earlier in the program, uh, related docility, it was not an easy arrival at Bethlehem. You know, St. Joseph traveling with Mary. She's depicted on a donkey, traveling a long way. And then when they arrive, finally... St. Joseph experiences rejection, and finally they're able to find this little cave on the outskirts. And uh, there Jesus is born in the depths of the night. And um, I think there are just so many messages there. Uh, One is that uh, our life has trials, and we have to share our trials with the Holy Family. Also the fact, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Fulton Sheen says that the creator of the universe had nowhere to be born in his own creation, is the following. In the United States, even though we're going through this pandemic, one of the major obstacles in arriving at union with God is the the philosophical system of materialism. Materialism, consumerism, we just had Black Friday, and... um, how many how many children in our society today recognize the fact that Christmas is not simply Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and and this and that, but the the very essence of Christmas is not so much a physical gift, but it is the gift of a person. That person is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The reason for the season is not so much material gifts, but the gift of God the Father who came into the world through the Blessed Virgin Mary was St. Joseph present there also. And he came, and as Venerable Fulton J. Sheen points out, that of all the names for Christ, the, the most important name for Christ is Savior. And that points out, his primary mission, he came to save us from sin, from death, from the devil, from hell, from all the negative things in the world, he came to save us. So in the midst of a, a world in which materialism has a tendency to suffocate, blind, and deafen us from the voice of God, the presence of the real meaning of Christmas, as we contemplate the little baby Jesus, They're laying in the manger. You know the word manger? The the word manger is uh, the French word manger, if you speak French, not manger, which means to eat. In Italian, it's mangiatoia. Why? Because he was placed on a feeding trough for animals. And we are called to nourish ourselves by eating the bread of life. 
So there Christ was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, and we're called to nourish ourselves on the bread of life, which is the Eucharist. And our Lord will speak about the bread of life in John chapter 6, the bread of life discourse. So I think we have to cut through the the superficial, frivolous, mundane um, aspects of the modern world that, that tends to place the material above the spiritual. But here you have the creator of the whole universe being rejected even before he was born, and born in a cave. Fulton Sheen calls him the patron of cavemen. I mean, he was born in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in <laughs> utter poverty. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, and we are talking about the joyful mysteries of the rosary and praying the rosary. And how has praying the rosary impacted your life? How have you entered into those mysteries in a deeper way? What has helped you in your prayer to not get distracted, to be able to meditate and reflect on those aspects, those events in our Lord's life? Our studio line, 888-914-9149-888. 914-9149. Email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's programming is brought to you by St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Ed Broom, uh, an oblate of the Virgin Mary and associate pastor at St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. And today talking about the joyful mysteries of the rosary and praying the rosary, the devotion that we have to our Blessed Mother. I also want to mention really briefly here, uh, if you haven't signed up yet, Starting tomorrow, we have a brand new radio drama. It's kind of a first of its kind audio advent calendar that we're offering here at Relevant Radio. And it's uh, Christmas Carol, the traditional story that you know of uh, by Charles Dickens, Scrooge, Tiny Tim, uh, Bob Cratchit, all of the characters. And it's done in a radio production way. Um, it, it really is. Uh, I, I'm excited to listen along to it myself. But you can sign up and have these daily episodes of this sent to you for free, absolutely free. All you have to do is just go to relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app, and you can sign up for our Merry Beggars production of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So again, on the Relevant Radio website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app, a wonderful way to be able to, I, I don't know about you, I listen to audiobooks all the time, I listen to different podcasts, and so I, I'm really excited about having this be a, a way to walk through and just have another reminder of Christmas as we look ahead during these weeks of Advent. Again, talking with Father Ed Broom about the joyful mysteries in the rosary today, and if you'd like to join the conversation, our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, uh, let's talk 
talk about the presentation. That's the next uh, mystery here in the Joyful Mysteries. We have Jesus uh, who is taken by Joseph and Mary to the temple, and they meet two different people, Simeon and Anna. Uh, what, what would you recommend, what stands out to you in this mystery that we might reflect upon? Well, we see Jesus presented to Simeon and Anna there in the temple, and St. Joseph is present there also, and Simeon sees the child Jesus and rejoices, and he says, Now you can let your servant go in peace, because my eyes have seen Lumen Gentian, the light to all the people. One of the things that has always struck me is the great patience of Simeon and Anna. They're waiting and praying for for many, many years to be able to see the Savior. And then it's mentioned three times in Simeon the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the light of all the people, then moved by the Holy Spirit, then he spoke under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's a good idea to recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit also in this uh, this holy season. As we mentioned earlier in the Annunciation, it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary, and she conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, she's moved, she's motivated by the Holy Spirit to make that long journey. And um, this, uh, this prophet makes this prophecy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the presence of the Holy Spirit and also the importance of patience. I think at times uh, we want things to happen quickly. I think we have to pray for a uh, patience in three areas. We have to be patient with God and the way he works in our lives, not to precipitate God's work in our lives. And I believe also we have to try to be patient with others. During these uh, days, these holidays, Thanksgiving all the way up to Christmas, often we meet and we spend time with a lot of family members, and sometimes it can be pretty chaotic. I've told people during this season of Advent, one proposal could be not to lose your patience or get angry with anyone in your family during these uh, these these days. That could be a really challenging proposal because when you don't sleep well, maybe you're surrounded by a lot of people, there's a lot of noise, you can lose your you can lose your interior peace and you can lose your patience and that we we don't want to do. And lastly, we should try to be patient with ourselves. Uh, my founder, the founder of the Oblates, has a classical two words in, in Latin, nunc cepi. Nunc cepi is, uh, are two words in Latin, which means now I begin. And even if we fall, we fall into some type of transgression, fall into to sin, we should not become discouraged, but we should get up. We we commit a sin, okay, we made, a, we, we made a mistake. Let's get up, let's go to confession, and let's start again. So um, those points, and the last point I'd like to make is uh, this is um, the first of the seven sorrows of Mary in which the prophet Simeon, looking at Jesus in the arms of Mary, says, Behold, this child will be a sign of contradiction, then he looks at Mary and says, and through your own heart, a sword will pierce 
so that the thoughts of many will be revealed. In that, I would encourage all of us to recognize that we have, we all have our own swords, we have our sorrows, we have our sufferings that could be physical, emotional, moral, family. But it's important thing not to suffer by ourselves, but rather to bring our sufferings, our crosses, our struggles, bring them to the hands of Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. And they'll help us to allow our sufferings. I say they either make us better or bitter. If we bring our sufferings and our sorrows to, to the heart of Jesus and Mary and Joseph, then our sufferings can be a means of our own conversion, our own sanctification, and our own perfection and virtue. So there are many, many uh, mysteries or messages in this mystery, but those will be uh, mine that I would suggest. Openness to the Holy Spirit, great patience, but also recognize that we all have to carry our crosses, but try not to carry the cross by ourselves. Invite Jesus who said, uh, I am meek and humble part. My yoke is easy and my burden indeed is light. Again, we're talking with Father Ed Broom today on The Inner Life, talking about the joyful mysteries of the Rosary. And, uh, Father, we're down to just our last few minutes here. And I want to, first of all, apologize to our callers, because I know we've got some different people calling in to talk to you. But I also want to make sure that we have time in the last couple minutes here to talk about the last... Uh, of the joyful mysteries and this is kind of skipping ahead you know we we move 12 years ahead of all of these other events mary and joseph they've gone to jerusalem for the passover they leave and on the way back home they realize after a day's travel jesus isn't with them they go back another day traveling back to jerusalem and find jesus in the temple and this this moment might seem to take us out of advent so how would you recommend that we reflect on this mystery during advent with maybe an advent kind of mindset i would say this is that uh joseph and mary lose jesus for these uh three days, great suffering, great pain, and uh, many parents today, they had their children baptized, they made their first communion, their children made their confirmation, but then what happens is uh, these children, maybe teenagers, young adults, they, they drift away from the church, the sacramental life, the practice of their faith, and the parents suffer they suffer so very much. They come to us as priests saying, you know, Father, my children, they were brought up and raised as Catholics, but they no longer practice their faith. I think the key is the fifth joy for mystery one that we want to pray. We want to pray, especially the rosary. We want to offer our communions that these lost sheep, these prodigal sons or daughters, that they would come back and recognize that true happiness can be found in God. And um, I speak about the universal code of happiness. Uh, there's the universal code of holiness, but there's the universal code of happiness. We're all called to be happy. Why is it that there are so many people in the world that are experiencing everything but happiness? They're living a life of sadness, and the response is simply this. They're looking for happiness in the wrong place. 
You know, uh, Josh, you, you can buy pleasure. Pleasure depends upon external stimuli, right? But only true joy and happiness comes by encountering Jesus in the very depths of our hearts. So I invite all of you, your listeners that that probably know this the story of Saint Monica who lost whose son was lost for many years, that they would pray that possibly in these weeks preceding Christmas, that possibly your children will come back, make a good sacramental confession, and then Christmas Day or Christmas Eve that they will be able to receive our Lord in the very depths of their heart. What does the word Christmas mean? Christ Mass. It's a compound word. Christ Mass, it means the Mass of Christ. So really the birth of Christ is every time we celebrate Mass and every time we receive Holy Communion, really the, the Mass of Christ in the depth of our heart. Well, Father Broom, thank you so much for being with us on the uh, show today. Really appreciate it. We've got about 15 seconds for a final blessing for all of our listeners. Yes. Through the intercession of Mary, St. Joseph, and the Holy Family, may God bless you with peace, joy, long life, and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Ed Broom uh, with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. And uh, thank you for being a part of the program and listening. Again, apologies to those of you that we weren't able to get uh, on the show that had called in. But of course, if you missed any part of the earlier portion of the broadcast, go to RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app to get the podcast. Mass is up next. Father Mark Malezova is the celebrant. We'll see you back here tomorrow on The Inner Life.